Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about why breastfeeding a newborn is different from an older baby. It's often assumed that breastfeeding will simply work, but most moms report significant problems within the first weeks. Fortunately, understanding why newborns feed the way they do can make the whole process a breeze. Teresa Nesbitt is here to tell us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video, which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. As always, thank you for listening and for all the love you give the show. If you find that this podcast is making a difference in your life, then it would mean a whole lot if you would leave a written review on iTunes like Rachel of the Finger Lakes did recently. Rachel says, As the end of my pregnancy nears, I continue to return to Adriana's top-notch podcast. The information presented is well-researched, evidence-based, and the discussion is intelligent and relevant. I find myself skipping ahead during some other pregnancy birth podcasts, mindless off-topic chatter, just to get to the important stuff, but not with Birthful which sticks to the point and does not waste my time. Quite the opposite. Thank you, Rachel, so much for those kind words and for continuing to listen through your pregnancy. I'm so glad that you find the podcast so helpful and that I stick to the point. I do try. And if you who are listening, have always been listening to the podcast since the beginning of your pregnancy, then why not buy me a virtual cup of tea? To do that, go to patreon.com slash birthful and pledges start at $1 per month. That's just $1, which is only a quarter per episode and way more helpful than a baby wipe warmer. Or if you pledge $10 per month, you can join in our in on our monthly Q- online Q&A style group chat where we can talk more about those maternity related things that you want to know, you know, more about that are not getting answered by the podcast completely or by all the stuff you you read elsewhere or if you just want to you know ask me things directly come join us on our monthly chat so to learn all the fabulous ways that you almighty one can support the podcast go to patreon.com slash birthful seriously go check it out today i appreciate it thank you thank you Moving on to the show, today I have the pleasure to be talking with Dr. Teresa Nusbitt, who is an obstetrician gynecologist with special training in maternal fetal medicine. Teresa promotes health and wellness for women with a focus on mothers, and she has a particular interest in brain growth and development. Dr. Teresa is the Director of Family Healing Coaching editor of Babies and Breastfeeding Magazine, and author of Evolutionary Eating, How We Got Fat, and Simple Seven Simple Fixes. She is also co-author with the equally fabulous Nancy Morbacher of the natural breastfeeding program, The Solution to a Successful Start. Dr. Nesbitt developed an interest in breastfeeding because she observed that although many pregnant women plan to breastfeed, they are not really prepared to do so. Her interest in brain health, nutrition, and developmental kinesiology have helped her to look at breastfeeding and human milk from a new perspective. Teresa, welcome. It is so nice to have you back. I was looking at my notes. It's been since March. It's been a little bit. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. Very, very excited. So I loved that we're going to be talking about how breastfeeding a newborn is different from breastfeeding a baby because I think that's an immensely important distinction that doesn't often get, I mean, already we don't see babies breastfeeding enough, but whenever there's a baby or a newborn, like anything we see, it tends to be a baby breastfeeding, not a newborn. And it, trying to understand how that is different is a brilliant thing. So I am very excited to be talking um, with you about this. Now, well, go ahead. I know it, you have to get started to be able to continue. <laughs> so it's a good thing. You they You have to be able to be get to begin to keep going on. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, so we 
when you're pregnant, when all of us, like, we've never had a kid and we're pregnant, we always think breastfeeding, it's a natural thing. It'll just happen and it's going to work. But that is not often the case. So much so that about 92% of moms report significant problems with breastfeeding within the first week. So that getting it started is incredibly important because it does, like you're saying, set the tone for what is in, in the continuum for what is to come. So what are some of the reasons for this difficulty during those first few weeks? Well, I would say, first off, you know, from my perspective as an obstetrician, this is what I see is that we have made great strides. So most women plan to breastfeed and they try to prepare, but I don't think that they are actually mentally, environmentally, or physically prepared for the transition to breastfeeding because they look at it in a sort of very intellectual way. So, you know, for another way of looking at it is, when you have a new mom and you have a new baby, you know, do they have this instinct to breastfeed? And sometimes people put it like, is it like, uh, you could say it's a, a little bit like sex, is that you could probably figure it out, but you could also make it a little bit easier for people if they'd had some exposure to something before that time. Here's the problem with our new moms is they have been exposed to breastfeeding, but they've been exposed to breastfeeding through the context of breastfeeding as copying bottle feeding. So we use a lot of these um, more common positions. They're actually variations on bottle feeding positions um, so that uh, the position we recommend with the baby being tummy down on the mom, the puppy position or the turtle position or the piglet position or the laid back breastfeeding position is the baby's tummy down on mom and that position for a newborn is a lot easier for the newborn. We don't see newborns. They're teeny tiny. We see moms having babies who have a lot more control over their head and neck. And you can put them in a lot of different ways that are comfortable for you and your baby, the custom positions. But when you take a brand new mom and you try and teach her all of this long list of instructions and she's just overwhelmed and not getting sleep and you know, it's very hard to take a hard test. And that's what it starts to feel like, that you're taking a test on breastfeeding. And unfortunately, a lot of new moms feel like they fail the test. And right. one of the things that I see also is with the newborns, that's a huge point that you just made on that they're you know, not, they don't have that, um, that, those, that many abilities in terms of holding up their heads, in terms of, you know, neck movement, that's all brand new. They're using these muscles almost for the first time in this capacity anyway. So yeah, it, it, what breastfeeding should be a par partnership where mom and baby are doing things together. But then you, I find like, so I have this great story that I wanted to share with you is one of my, my doula clients. And, you know, because we have this usual visual of breastfeeding as in that bottle position, like that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that adaptation <laughs> that you were talking about, um, that's a difficult one for newborns to, to get into, like you were talking. So the effort becomes all in the part of the mom, where the mom is trying to get the baby position and all the pillows and the bobby and, you know, get the breast just right and hunching over and making all this effort to get baby to open the mouth and put it in while this baby is kind of not quite positioned and anchored and being asked to do things that his body doesn't, is not quite his neck and is not quite ready to do. So I had a mom that was in that situation for the first few days and I went by her house. She was having a really hard time breastfeeding. I'm like, look, you know, I'm not a lactation consultant, you know, but let's, I am a really fan of this because I know how well it works. Why don't you try just, you know, putting yourself reclining and put baby on your chest like, and and the animal that I like is froggy because of the froggy legs. So oh, good. Yes, excellent. Perfect. <laughs> so do the froggy legs. And when she got her baby in that position, he was rightly anchored, had an ability to, you know, maneuver into this instinctual way. And he started bobbing his head and opening his mouth and looking for the breast. And her reaction 
change from night and day. It was no longer the hard test that she was taking. Suddenly she re- she was like, oh, he's doing it. Yes. You know, she yes. felt that they were in it together and that changed everything for them. And it's so, you know, a huge part of this that is also like the image. You know, we all come in with these images. So the moms, they don't know that the image is already in their mind of cradling this gently, you know, feather light baby in their arms and inserting the nipple into their mouth. These are all bottle images that they work just fine when the baby is experienced and the mom is confident and experienced. But a newborn baby, they don't seem weak because they have all this muscle tone. They're all like flexed up into a little ball, but they have no voluntary control over their muscles. And this is a really hard thing to wrap your head around is the baby's born, the brain's in place, all the wiring is there, but you know, to put the, but you need to put the lamps in before you can turn them on. There needs to be more wiring to take place. And a lot takes place just in that first month. So when you put the baby in the froggy position, like you have said, is that now the baby doesn't need to do so many things in order to control their head and neck. They've activated their nervous system by that froggy position, by, you know, what we'll talk about it probably in a few minutes, the pressure buttons that help the baby core stabilize. You know, we talk about this in fitness and things all the time, is it really fires the core. And I say, think of, um, think of like one of those balloon animals, like the floppy balloon. And when you blow it up, like a fuselage, it like thickens and firms up. And now the baby has a lot more control over their head and their limbs. They open their own mouth very wide. They bob around and self-latch because those three big problems that the 92% complain of are difficulty latching, pain, and in and concerns about milk production. All of those are really very much helped out by using this sort of training wheel starter position because if the baby opens their mouth very wide and they latch on themselves, they get a deep, comfortable latch you don't push the nipple in. It's floppy anyway. A, a, a breast is not a, a bottle. And, you know, I always say Mother Nature didn't just make the perfect food. They made the perfect dispenser for it. But they intended a baby's nervous system to work the way that it does. And we see animals, mammals, which means any animal that takes milk, born at a lot of different levels of maturity, you know, from from um, a you know, kangaroo that looks like a lima bean and doesn't even have legs that somehow manages to find its way from the vagina up and into the pouch and latch on to um, the most advanced ones, probably the hooved animals like a wildebeest. They're on that migration and they're able to gallop around within minutes of being born. So they all have that inborn potential for the nervous system and movement, but some animals are a lot further along. They did a lot of the maturing inside mama, right? And so our babies are born before they finish growing inside mama so that there's room to get that great big head out and continue brain growth after birth. So mother nature made this compromise. So we have a primate baby that doesn't have near the abilities of a monkey or an ape. They're much more, they have the motor abilities of about a two year old child. Well, I don't want to even think about what it'd be like to birth a two year old. They'd literally be unbearable. <laughs> they would be going, no, 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 as they, they come out. They have to be born before they're they're sort of prematurely, we call that ad, when you're born advanced and you are able to control your body and move around, you know, pretty independently, a precocial and a precocial mammal. And humans are, primates are precocial, but the humans are primates like the apes and the monkeys, but we're sort of premature because we're going to have all this brain growth after the baby's born. That's why, you know, I love that Breast milk is brain juice, right? It's the it's the only food in nature intended to, you know, that its main emphasis is to promote this rapid um, and extensive brain development because we're the only species that has that. And so I always um, I like to joke with new moms uh, and lactation consultants and professional breastfeeding professionals is the perfect response is Are you still breastfeeding that baby, especially for a toddler? You just say. Well, their brain's still growing, so you know why should I go out and try and find a substitute for brain juice? This is the gold standard. While the brain's growing, 
brain juice is the way to go. So um, there's really good, really good reason for continuing to breastfeed, particularly if that's what you want to do. And and uh, it's a nice comeback to people who kind of give new mom, you know, give moms a hard time about when are you going to stop doing that? Just say, well, when their brain stops growing really rapidly. So mm-hmm. I love that response. And it's true. It puts it, it brings it back to perspective of like why you're doing this. What's the, you know, why you're doing this in the first place? Because that's the best food if you can, if you can continue it. And that's the goal. But for that, you need a really good start. Everything else is, you know, really a substitute. And we're doing better with the substitutes all the time, but it is still a substitute. So if you have it and um, it's available and that's what you want to do, why not go with that gold standard? Mm-hmm. And the, so that is the, I think, be understanding how a newborn is different in their breastfeeding patterns and in a lot of ways, but in the breastfeeding patterns, then allows for a better success rate and eliminating those, you know, that 92% of difficulties that you were talking about. Let's break those down, if you would. Okay, um, sure. You talked about difficulty latching, pain, and concerns with milk production as the three big those main three reasons. Biggies. Yes, those are the three biggies. So let's start with pain, because I think that's the one that everybody touches on in a weird sort of way. I know that there is sort of this underlying sense of expect some pain, grit your teeth through it, and, you know, it gets better. And I think this is a huge misunderstanding and a myth. And one of the things um, as OB that I used to hear all the time was, can, how can I toughen up my nipples? Which is really like, is there anything I can do to prevent this horrible, cracked, bleeding pain that, you know, I've been told about or people who said, I tried, I just couldn't get through it. Moms who burst into tears. And there is no nipple toughening, nor is there a need for nipple toughening. So I use the, you know, I like to use very graphic examples. So I say, no one tells you you need to rub your eyeballs with a washcloth before you get contact lenses. Nipples don't need to be toughened. What happens when you feel like they have been toughened from the baby nursing is really what we were talking about before. As the baby matures and is able to latch more deeply and effectively in a reliable way. It just doesn't hurt anymore. It's the maturation of the baby. It isn't the toughening of the nipples. Your nipples never get tough. It's not like your fingertips when you're playing the guitar. So, so many of these moms, they're gritting their teeth, you know, which interferes with milk lift, and it's just more pain than they expected. And they think, oh my God, I love my baby. I can make it through this. But it can be really awful and it is so unnecessary. The problem is where the nipple is in the baby's mouth most of the time. So in the absence of the baby having sort of a anatomical problem, like a tongue tie or something where they can't really get their mouth around, which is where a lactation consultant can come in very handy to assess for this, is most of the babies are not getting a good deep mouthful of breast because the mom is trying to hold the baby in their arms and what the reflexes, which is a big part of natural breastfeeding. So when you press on a baby's body, the, they are in this reflexive stage. They're responding. They don't think through their actions. So they pull back. So if you press on their back, they push towards the pressure. And if you smoosh them to your chest to get rid of the gaps, which is what you will often be told is helpful, but then you have the gas and the brakes on at the same time. So it isn't hard to imagine if you're putting pressure on the baby's back just to bring them in close and the baby is moving away, arching away, if I might put it that way, they're pulling off the breast at the same time. In addition to that, babies are a lot heavier than you think. When you hold them for, you know, 30 seconds, it's not too bad. But I encourage moms to just hold their own arms up for a few minutes. And you'll find that holding even the weight of your arms with no baby at all is extremely tiring. So the natural breastfeeding position, with the first check we do is lift your arms. The baby should not roll away. If you're holding the baby in your arms, you're putting pressure along pressure buttons that cause the baby to move away from you rather than towards you. Does that make sense? It does. And I want to, I think we're, we, 
So because we're talking about the positioning at the same time that we're talking about how breastfeeding a newborn is different, I think what would make the best sense is we're going to tackle it like almost backwards. If we can describe the position so that then as we talk about like why this is important for a newborn, moms can picture already where they're at. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And of course, what we did, and that's what I, you know, that's why we have, have uh, made this available. Um, you know, don't want to be like tooting our horn or anything, but it is for free. Where if you go to naturalbreastfeeding.com, the quick start guide is there. So moms can actually watch this in action. But I will describe it. It isn't that hard to describe. We have three steps. Adjust your um, body, adjust your baby, and adjust your breast. And you don't need to adjust your breast every single time. But um, it's there for that final tweak if you need it. So in adjusting your body is basically we tell moms to scoot their hips forward and sort of recline their upper body. Uh, You can do it even in a regular chair. Just scoot the hips forward until your body makes like a little slope for the baby to lie on. And that slope can be what's comfortable for you from anything from almost flat to sitting up close to sitting up. Um, moms that this accommodates a lot of different breast sizes and shapes and cesarean section pain and things like that is you can just adjust this slope till you're comfortable. So you can lay on the sofa, you can prop some pillows up in the bed, but you're wanting to move your hips forward the same way you would in bed. If you were going to like scooch forward to read a book or something like that, you just scooch forward until there's this slope. Then you lay the baby on your body from anything, and I call it the swing, so you can angle the baby from kind of vertical, lying in the same direction you are with their head up near the nipple and their feet you know, pointing down towards where your feet are, or you can lay them diagonally across you, or some moms really like this transverse or really sideways, but the baby is turned completely over in that frog position, and we have those on the video where you can see just Make sure the baby's fully applied. That's adjusting the baby part. So you adjusted your body and you adjust your baby. And then you can do a little breast shaping to help get um, the baby onto the nipple, particularly in those first few days, Adriana. um, A lot of moms, they think they're engorged with milk, but a lot of times it's just extra fluid that they got, maybe an IV fluids and things like that. And they actually have breast edema. And, you know, women are quite used to looking at their ankles and seeing them swollen, but your breasts are actually a gravity dependent area. So when you have extra fluid in your body, the extra swelling goes down towards where the nipple is and can make the nipple very round and no protuberant. You know, it can be hard for the baby to get a mouthful around that. This position is fantastic for that because, of course, you're leaning back and your breast is up on top and now it can drain away. It's basically the propping your feet position for your boobs. And that's how you get into this position with the baby tummy down. And then... Awesome. The baby, you know, we can, we can, you know, we have discussed this previously is like, how does the baby get control of their body? So they open their mouth wide so you can get to these other two difficulties that you had of like, they're not really latching very well. And if they are latching, are they, you know, are they gaining weight or are they getting enough milk or they're worried about those? And those all stem from first setting yourself up in the right way that's the one that avoids the pain. So getting set up in the right way to do this is going to very much help with the pain. And the biggest issue or problem that I see is moms just don't fully trust this. It seems really odd to them. They have this picture in their mind as like, can milk flow uphill? Won't the baby smother? They really need to understand that baby's nostrils are angled that they're not going to, they're in a good position to be able to do this. This is a really good way for newborns to be able to, um, latch on pretty effectively and feed and for mom to look at the baby. Um, this is another real, um, issue for new moms is, and I think one of the reasons they tend to lean towards bottle feeding is they like looking at their baby. And if you breastfeed in a bottle feeding position and bring the baby in with the no gaps, you're pulling them towards you. And it's hard to see their face as it is when you're holding the bottle up in the air directly down. But when you put the baby in this position, 
they're like a little turtle sitting there. And you can, most of the time, except for moms with, you know, very large breasts and sometimes a little anatomical differences is most of the time you're just in this great position for you and your baby to look at you, which is wonderful for love and hormones and just the delight of your new baby. You just don't get tired of looking at them and they really want to look at you too. Yeah. And I, so this is awesome also because when you have them positioned in this way, gravity is helping you in terms of you know, it's gravity pushing your baby towards you onto your body, as opposed to you trying to do it, like pushing their back where they were going are going to go against it and pull away. Right. right. Gravity is bringing baby more into you and also more into the breast. So they're getting a bigger mouthful, bigger latch. But like you were saying, you this position allows for baby's face to be looking at you if, if if baby's lying right in your midline so you know from looking like you said your head up towards you and your the feet his feet or her feet down towards your feet but there's the other part that I think that was really an aha moment for me is when baby's like in that bottle image that we have it tends to be that that tummy to tummy doesn't always connect. So mm. then you're starting to drink, the baby's starting to drink sideways. And if you take a glass of water and take try to drink that way, it's really weird and almost impossible to drink with your chin like down and tucked and off to the side. Whereas when you take a water bottle and you drink, you lift your head up and extend your neck completely and in this, you know, natural breastfeeding position, that's how the baby's neck is positioned. So and yeah, a lot of a lot of times they'll say sort of the lead with the chin because it's really helping the baby, you know, drop their jaw and get a great big poof or mouthful of of um, breast, which is so helpful to avoiding the pain and also good latch and good milk transfer. So it just is. I think very much like the story you relayed is it feels incredibly different to the mothers. They are like, I'm not really doing that. But until they really get the baby fully turned over and allow them to contribute, we call it, you know, what baby brings to the table is where they can use their their neurologic wiring because although they're helpless, they're not completely helpless. They are prepared to do this. We like to use the... Um, turtle analogy. So, you know, you look on the road, if you saw a turtle on their back, they can't get anywhere. Well, you don't have to pick the turtle up and do everything for the turtle. Just turn the turtle over and they can do it for themselves. You, the same is true for the baby. When they're on their back like this, their spine hasn't developed the um, more childlike or adult curvatures. We call those the S curvatures where the spine straightens out. Their back is curved and round very much like a turtle's. And they hold their arms and legs flexed in so they look, you know, they're like this little ball with a C-shaped spine. So when you put the baby in this position and you spread their legs out and um, get those pressure buttons sort of applied, you're exactly right. Gravity pushes the baby's weight, becomes the pressure on mom and mom pushes back on the baby. And because mom's not pressing on the baby's back at all, there's no confusing signals for the baby to move away. Um, or there's no need for mom's arms to get tired and start to let the baby slip away. And that's where they get latched on right at the end of the nipple. And that is so painful. And they're trying to, you know, they don't know what to do, but an older baby they go, oh, well, I'm slipping off, so I'm going to just relatch. But a newborn baby hasn't learned any of those things yet and doesn't have that much control. So it really helps for them to be in a position to take a nice big mouthful of breast and uh, be in good position, be nice and stable. And the other thing is they use their hands in to help instead of hurt. How many moms are in tears because they think that their baby doesn't like them or doesn't like nursing because they say they're wheeling and flailing with their arms and it's that breast boxing. And when you put the baby in this position, you don't have any problems with that whatsoever. Babies use their hands to shape the nipple and really get a nice mouthful. It really helps with hormones and milk transfer and things like that. And the baby's using their hands to help and the mom's using their hands not to get in the way. So mom's hands off, 
baby's hands on. It's backwards of the way we've been learning it for a long time. Mm, yeah, and I I love that fact because it's it is about grounding the baby. And so we are going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, I want us to talk more about those pressure points of understanding exactly how you know all the things that come into play to balance out the fact that sure, baby doesn't have autonomous control of their body just yet, but there's all these other things in place that make it so that it doesn't matter in terms of having some successful breastfeeding. And to all the listeners out there, as you know, I was going to say this at the beginning of the show, and I we got right into it and I forgot, but you know, full disclosure, natural breastfeeding is Teresa and Nancy Morbacher, and they have been longtime sponsors of the show. But I wanted to bring Teresa on to tell us all this great information today, because I believe so wholeheartedly on the effectiveness, <laughs> how easy natural breastfeeding, applying these um, concepts work that I just want to share it with every mom. So the the spot right now is going to tell you to go watch the video and you should. Research tells us that 92% of new moms report significant problems with breastfeeding within the first week and that common problems include nipple pain, milk production, and latching. Let me tell you, nipple pain sucks. It is no fun at all. And the thing is that it only takes a couple of badly latched breastfeeding sessions for your nipples to become unnecessarily damaged. Do yourself a favor and go watch Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher's free quick start video that gives you everything, everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. I have seen these techniques work time and time again since this is what I teach my doula clients and it's also super comfortable to do. I'm telling you, your back will not hurt from breastfeeding if you use these techniques. So go do it. Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we're back and we're talking with Teresa Nesbitt from um, naturalbreastfeeding.com, but also a bunch of other great stuff. And we <laughs> are, right, right? You you do so many things. Um, and we're talking about how newborns breastfeed and why they breast, like, why are they different? They breastfeed differently than a older baby. Um, so, Teresa, tell us about those pressure points that make oh, all of this differently. The pressure buttons. And of pressure course, buttons, yes. talk to the, yes, when I, well, because if you Google it, since I'm the person who calls them that, you were not really going to find it. So this is an area where uh, I think you sort of alluded to this a little bit. And I have a t-shirt that says the same. I am dangerously overeducated. So I've been interested in a lot of things, but a lot of brain health and movement. And I'm an obstetrician. Um, I don't deliver babies anymore. I always say to people I deliver advice now. So, um, but I miss it and I love being around babies and the breastfeeding has really become my passion. So the pressure buttons really come from something that I started to learn when I used to work with athletes, especially the professional athletes, which is to help them rehabilitate from um, injuries and also to actually use their body more effectively. So what um, one of the disciplines I studied was um, called DNS, which is Dynamic Neuromuscular Stabilization, and it's from the Prague School in Czechoslovakia, and it comes from the work of uh, another uh, Czech pediatrician named Vakov Vojta, V-O-J-T-A, and what he was interested in was to identify because this is what doctors do, and I'm a doctor, is we live in the world of pathology. So we study normal, but we never talk about it because what we're looking for is deviations from normal. So we studied many, many normal babies to start to understand how babies with cerebral palsy were different so that they could intervene earlier and help babies that had cerebral palsy use their bodies better. But we focused in on the treating cerebral palsy and kind of neglected all this amazing research they did on how newborns reflexes actually work and particularly these reflexes of reflex turning and reflex locomotion which is before the baby is able to coordinate their movements or have any voluntary movement again 
ba newborn babies are involuntary, there's these inborn motor patterns. And what he is looking is to see, you have to have core stable stabilization. The middle of the body has to be firm and stable and acts as an anchor. So then the limbs and the head can be used independently. So that is the first step a newborn needs to make. And so by the time they're a month to two months old, you're seeing that the baby has a lot of core stabilization and they start to do things like prop themselves up on their arms a little bit and smile at you and lift their head. But when they're first born, they can't do these. And it does create problems with breastfeeding because unless you put them in uh, an optimal position, they can't control their head at all. Their head's very heavy and they have uh, weak neck muscles we understand that, but what we really need to understand is the wiring to fire those neck muscles also are not in place. But if you put the baby on their tummy and activate the pressure buttons, which I'm going to tell you where they are in just a minute, and again, you can see them on the video, is that the babies will stabilize their core and be able to lift their head and neck. And if you were to lay down on your own tummy, it looks like the baby's doing a push-up. But the baby has no arm strength. They're not doing a push-up. They're actually blowing up their body, and then the head lifts at the end like that balloon that I had said before. So a newborn baby is able to lift, but they're not very strong, and it falls. Lift, fall. Lift, fall. That looks like That's what we see as bobbing. So a baby is bobbing is doing the right thing. Plus, every time that bobbing baby touches their face – they're getting a lot of sensory feedback to their brain of where the breast is. They have this inter this GPS that's going on on their cheeks and on their face and on their hands that help them zero in on the breast because their vision isn't well developed. The breast is there. How many moms are you know will say I'm I just feel like going to them. It's right there. It's right there. Why can't they find it? They can't find it because they're like how we would feel when we go into a room when all the lights are off. Everything's right there, but we don't know where it is yet. So you need a little bit of that neurologic maturation. So the pressure buttons, the main ones, the very most important one is in the area of the rib cage right below the nipples. And what will happen is um, when that has good contact with some pressure from gravity is the, the diaphragm, which is um, like a toilet plunger, pushes down from above and the babies who have these this big long slack belly that's what we see is that you know with very high ribs they're able to take their body which is sort of in two pieces and pull it together into one piece and all the guts which we tend to think of as being very airy and almost not there they're like packing peanuts that are in a very large bag when you make the bag smaller you compact this and the spine with the head off of it become very stabilized. For people who've seen it, if they've ever seen Charlie Brown's Christmas tale, it's to me, it looks just like what they did when they wrapped Linus's blanket around the pathetic little Christmas tree is once you pack that up, then it gains um, stability. Or you can take a wilted plant and you put the water in and you see the stem gain stability. That's what's going to happen to the baby's spine when you put the pressure buttons into play. The second most important pressure buttons are ones babies are going to use them to help um, learn to, cry, uh, to crawl and roll over is they're right inside the knees. Those are the frog legs. So I say lift the baby up in the diaper area so that they're, you know, completely tummy down, not sort of turned part sideways. You spread those legs out so that the insides of the knee are also in contact with mom. And then further down the leg is something moms will tell you over and over is babies seem to nurse better when their feet are contacting something. Mom's lap, mom touching the baby's feet with the you know, with the her hands, which are now free to do what she wants because she doesn't have to hold the baby with them. So babies like to have that foot contact, just like a puppy. If you ever see a puppy nurse, they want their feet on the ground pushing, and it helps. It looks like they're pushing into the breast, but what they're really doing is firing that core so that they can latch and suckle more effectively. So looks can be deceiving in this. Um, the gravity is the same way. It looks like because the baby's 
you know, gravity is holding the baby onto the nipple, but really the pressure buttons are helping the baby control their head and neck so they can actually actively, not just passively, but actively take breast into their mouth and suck and swallow in a coordinated rhythmical fashion that really helps with milk transfer. Oh, I love the idea of pressure buttons, and now I'll call them properly pressure buttons, not pressure points. <laughs> right. You, if you Google it, I know I need to write my article where I'm applying these concepts because a lot of them come from articles that are written in Czech that I got translated. And when I started doing my training, because I used to tell people my MD used to be for medical doctor and now it's for movement doctor because I became very, very enamored of how we learn to move and helping people as adults go back to that original movement that a newborn would have. Little did I know that it would, you know, intersect with my pregnant moms and my nutrition and breast milk is bringing, it all sort of came together in this truly marvelous way. But, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm a very practical person. So I'm like, if it works, who cares how it works? But I know the part of me that was a doctor too is like, well, I care how it works. So we want the explanation, but I like to use the explanation so that the moms can have a picture in their mind, either from watching the video or listening to my words, that they have a visual picture that makes sense to them why it would work. I really like that turtle, like just turn them over, completely over so that they are in this position on top of you. And you don't need to keep feeding the baby in this position forever. Some babies like it, some moms like it, but as baby um, gains coordination, as the nervous system gets wired up and they have better head and neck control, they like you know, the cradle and the cross cradle and the football and the sideline, you know, you can just, um, find the ones that work best for you. I used to actually lay my baby down and, you know, cause I would read in front of them and lean over and, you know, sort of like drop the breast into the mouth, which is an extremely odd way of breastfeeding, but I had pretty big breasts. So the, the moms and babies, you know, they're dance partners, like you said. And once they get the basics down, they can come up with quite a few fancy moves, just given a little uh, time and leeway. But it really works a lot better when the baby has the more coordination and the mom has a little more confidence. Because a lot of these new moms, they are think they're going to feel already. And then they are intimidated by the what seems to be like the fragility and the helplessness of this of this new baby. And, um, I'm very into skin to skin from a neurologic point of view. And I know you've done a lot through this and it's so important. And it, this works so well with skin to skin because really we're talking about for the first few weeks, month, hang out at home a lot and don't worry about how long or how much the baby is breastfeeding. A lot of it is just being in that nest that the mother's chest is with the pressure buttons activated. I mean, you'd never instinctively Right? You, it feels uncomfortable even in your head. Want to turn the baby over onto your chest backwards with their arms and legs facing outwards, unbundled, a brand new baby. No, you want to bring them close to you, cuddled, hugged like two pieces of a puzzle. And if you do that at home, you know, with a little bit of privacy and things like that, open your shirt and just have the baby snuggle up next to you and eat when they want to. Their stomachs are teeny, teeny, tiny, the size of a cherry or then maybe a ping pong ball after a few weeks. It's a very small amount of milk that they can take at one time. All that starts to change. This is a beginner position. It's just really effective in getting started um, and getting your reps in, so to speak, that I would say to an athlete before you tackle the hard stuff. Yeah, it takes away the overwhelm when you see yeah. you're working and baby's working and you're working together and, and there's no pain. And then you go, okay. And as baby matures, then you can start moving them in any which way and they it, it, more portable, get out. But it's a beautiful way to start for sure. Yeah, I, a lot of moms will say, you know, they do. They ask me about the nipple toughening thing. And I always say, well, you can actually prepare to do this. There's something that can be done for preparation, and it's pretty easy. Is What you prepare is prepare your house. So everybody's house is a little bit different or, part, you know, wherever you're going to be. And you just go around and you basically find a place where you could recline for a little while and, you know, like watch a TV program. And then I say use a – doll stuffed animal bag of rice which you know is gonna you know look for something about 
eight to 10 pounds like a newborn baby and then just plop it on top of you. And when you move around, it shouldn't move around. And that's the practice that you do. Just making sure that you have these comfortable places that you feel comfortable. Um, and then, then it's just, I, it's very nice to have someone around to help mom. Everyone wants to help feed the baby. You know, it's like, let me take that baby. Let me hold that baby. And it's like, just let mom, let mom sleep and say, I will watch you if she's afraid, you know, that, you know, when we have new, when I have, I have puppies right now and people always laugh and I said, Oh my God, Adriana, this is so tragic, but breeders of dogs and things, they, I, they're in the whelping box with the mama dog and her puppies for at least two, sometimes four days, 24 hours to make sure mama doesn't inadvertently roll over them. Why are we doing this for puppies and not for humans? I have no idea. It's really distressing that a mom should feel like she can't sleep with her baby when everybody's offering to help. Just say, well, just be with me so I feel like I can doze off safely if that's what her concern is. Now, I know sleeping with baby is a whole nother topic, but a lot of moms are just nervous. One way to be not nervous is to feel like somebody's there and somebody's there to bring you food and take care of mama. We need to take care of mamas so mamas can take care of babies. We don't need to take care of babies so mamas get rest. We let mamas and babies rest together. That's a big part of this nest. This early breastfeeding is when the baby should be inside, but it had to be born and they need to go from in you to on you. They don't need to go out into the big world, you know, immediately and learn how to go off to school. They can spend that time right next to mama. That's the best place. Yeah, that the, the going off to school is going to come soon enough. Teresa, yeah. Should, yeah. should moms expect any setbacks even when doing these things? Um. Yes and no. So one thing I would like to say is if moms feel like they've got it and they've watched the video and they've done sort of the checklist of lift, lifting their arms and they feel the baby's really not latched on very well and still it's painful, then it is time to have someone take a look and make sure there is no anatomical defects like the uh, tongue tie or that the baby is, you know, going through the checklist of everything seems to be a-okay here. So I think it is reasonable to look at it that way. But honestly... I can't tell you how many moms and even ones that are farther along in breastfeeding, you know, past the time where we would say this is a beginner, they're more than six weeks out who say, oh my God, this was night and day. I just watched five minutes of one video. I tried it and it was so completely different that they just had the wrong picture in their mind. They were just trying to do too many things and they were trying to do everything for the baby and a huge part that the helpers do is they try and help the baby onto the breast and what we know is two bad things happen when hands go in adult hands one is mothers accept this mainly because they feel like they need to you know they know that this person's trying to help them but their brain and their emotions are usually screeching this is a little bit too intrusive for me especially from a stranger and they will report this and it's been reported in a number of studies so what we see long term is hands-on help by the professional results in a lot less exclusive breastfeeding months down the line, you know, one month, four months, six months down the line. So we don't really want that because one, mothers don't feel very good about it. But the other thing is, again, as the, as the um, professional is sort of pushing the baby's head onto the breast, which we see, you know, they push the head, is that baby's reflexes are going to be stimulated to push back towards the hand. So you're pushing on and off at the same time. And the baby doesn't really know whether to open wide. And what we see then is wait until the baby's screaming or crying. And then we know that they're open wide and catch that one opportunity, like to shove the nipple into their mouth. It just doesn't need to work that way. No, and, then, you, and, and then you see the baby's crying with, yes. with, with the with that breast in the mouth and going like whoa, whoa, whoa. that's no way for them to understand how to breastfeed no it, it's it's extremely distressing especially when you know 
for me, when I, you know, can see immediately how things could be better is to watch that waiting till the baby's mouth is open wide only because they're screaming and that then mother's struggling, trying to basically feed, you know, to like take a, 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 a human nipple, which is a totally master of a you know, thing of beauty and try and insert it into the mouth as if it was a hard rubbery thing. It's, you know, like, Oh, it's open here. I'm going to plug your mouth with my, it, and the baby doesn't want that. They want to seek out, latch on and suckle just like all mammals do, but they need to be in the right position to do that optimally. Again, I would say is if you looked at puppies, mamas do help. You know, a lot of times people, oh, in nature, it occurs just naturally. Well, it doesn't really, you know, and we see a lot of uh, problems and we see with a lot of animals that, you know, experienced mamas do a lot better than inexperienced mamas. But if, if you have a mama dog, if her puppy is rolled over on its back and, you know, squeaking and squawking, she takes her nose and she flips it over. And she's doing that cuddle curl, you know, where she brings all the babies in between her forelegs and her hind legs and noses them in. And they need some traction. If you put them on a slick surface and they can't use their feet, they can't really suckle. They need to have some control of their body by having those pressure buttons engaged and really suckling. You know, it's a, it's a behavior that happens when the mouth and the teat, which is what you call an animal and what people call it in other countries too, when they are fit together like that pieces of puzzle thing. Like when the, when the mouth is filled, then you stimulate these rhythmic reflexes that is not sucking, it's suckling which involves the tongue and the breathing and swallowing, which is so important for a human being because we have to be able to speak eventually. So we have so much more complicated wiring of our mouth than other animals do. They can't really, um, it's hard for them to aspirate because their nose breathing through their nose to their lungs is from a completely separate passageway than breathing, you know, than eating through the mouth. We can, you know, drink and breathe and, swallow food through our mouth because we have to be able to blow air out to make speech. So in order to have the anatomical advancement to make speech, then we have a lot of really complicated machinery in there that mother nature designed breastfeeding as the training tool for speech and breathing down the road. And I think this is just a fascinating area of research right now that again, it's in my dangerously, un, you know, over-educated way, I'm off on that tangent as well. It's pretty interesting. That's fantastic. You can never know enough. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa. It's so cool. Humans are so cool and babies are so cool and mamas are so cool. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, like, just as you're going on in this movement tangent, my, like, area of geekiness is the is the birth itself and all the instincts and and things that babies do to help be born just like Can I the, go off on that tangent no no we, well that's another show <laughs> it's the it's the it, but a lot of your moms do know about the breast crawl or the birth crawl and that is exactly what natural breastfeeding is that is engaging all those pressure buttons in putting the baby in the right position sets them up to be successful so that's our most absolutely scientifically proven way to know all these things are in place but the baby is going to have a hard time doing those things if you change the environment too much from what is to be expected so the all those smells all of that so the birth is amazing i mean it really really is but the birth and the breastfeeding, they are intertwined. Absolutely. No, and I was talking more like how it, it and this is something that that moms can do um, as it like that first week. It's a great party trick that I find like if you grab a newborn and you touch them right behind their heads, like on their the, on their nape, on the nape, yeah. back of the neck and, and you push there and their instinct is to extend the neck back, to extend the head and towards the back because as they're being born, 
if they are looking, you know, in the ideal anterior position so that their back is to the front of the mom and the, as the head comes down the and, and coming into the pelvis, the pubic bone hits that back of the neck and then they extend the head so they can navigate the curvature between the pubic bone and the coccyx on their way out the vaginal outlet. So and, like that you, kind of instinct is what gets my, my juices flowing. Oh, sorry. And what accompanies that, which is another thing that that extension move that you're speaking about is because the baby's all flexed into a ball, right? They can't be born that way, like a basketball. So they have to lose that flexor tone. And this is so fascinating. So as there's pressure, this is what happens in the vaginal bus on the top of the head or where the fontanelles are that inhibits that flexor tone. So there is, after the extension, you have a relaxation of the body. So it is able to actually be born. And you can, it, it, one of my funniest things to do is to take a, you know, big, tall, athletic young male and push on the crown of his head, push where the fontanelles were together. And then they, then I can take a fingertip and they can't do a sit up. They literally lose that tone in their body until you um, help the separation of that suture again. So that pressure inhibits the flexor tone. So you, it's so magical, as you said, that extensor, and then the, the birth can occur. And, you know, as an obstetrician, people always say is delivering babies. And I just never really feel like it's the deliver. Even the mom is that babies are born. You know, they just come into the world. It's an arrival. It's a birth. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so special. And I think to start to look at it from that moment is it's a really active thing that happens from the baby. I've delivered moms with spinal cord injuries and head trauma and things that couldn't push and things like that. But babies are still born and they're not expelled. They are active participants in this, you know, in the interaction between the mother and the baby. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's so amazing. It I is. never get tired of it. I, I get, I do get so geeky about it. They're like, <laughs> you know, no matter thousands, it doesn't matter. The magic, it, it has not diminished a whit. It's actually intensified. It's just so amazing. Teresa, going back to the, to the newborn breastfeeding and, and, and to, cause there was one more thing I wanted to ask you is we talked about, you know, if moms should expect some setbacks. What about the flip side? Are there any signposts that can reassure moms that things are going really great? Um, actually, yes. And the first thing we tell moms to do that really help them is really just learn to trust that you should be able to completely remove your hands from the baby and eat or, re you know, you... you that your arms do come into play. I, um, uh, uh, Kathy Watson, Jenna, I, she has a great expression for this, which I love. She calls the arms the guardrail. And we say, like, make a nest of your arms. So with a newborn, they do sort of cuddle into the curve of your arm, but they don't need your arm for support. So a mom should be able to completely lift her arms. And if, if the baby rolls away at all, she either needs to, you know, scoot her hips a little bit more further or you know, put the baby more tummy down. They're actually not really tummy down. They're probably looking like they're tummy down, but they're on sort of a semi sideline, partly tummy position and not frog legs. So we want to lift those legs up and make sure that the pressure points on the inside of the knees are on mom in some way. So that checklist is really the most important. And so if moms are having problems, the other one is usually the breast shaping can help. So just in the easiest is we, you, you, if you look at a mouth, it's like a slash, it's like a line, right? So you want to shape the breast, um, with usually you can do it in a couple different ways, but you're going to flatten the breast. So it is like a hamburger or a sandwich and you want the line of the sandwich, a great big sandwich, like a Big Mac to line up with the baby's mouth. So if the baby's side lying, you know, you want it up and down, um, not sideways. You don't want the baby's mouth to be in a different line than how you're squeezing the breast. So it, that's where the baby might be lying across you sideways, which means their mouth, if you looked into the room, is one corner of the mouth is facing to the ceiling and one to the floor. But if the baby is lying right on top of mom, 
with her head in the direction of mom's head and her feet in the direction of mom's feet, then that baby's breast is going to be in the complete perpendicular to that. So the shaping of the C, or sometimes what we call it, I call it the smoosh and the squoosh. That's what we have on our infographic. So sometimes what moms can do is take the balls of their finger on one hand and just press the breast and sort of lift the nipple a little bit. Um, that a lot of times is all the baby needs to really get on very easily. That's what I call the smoosh. And then the squoosh is when you make it, you squeeze it like a big sandwich. You use your hand like a C or a U um, to make the nipple, which is a round shape, into a flattened shape like a sandwich and line that up with the baby's mouth. And they can usually find it a lot easier to take on a mouthful and after suckling a little bit then the breast softens up and they you usually don't even have to continue doing that. Does that is that where you're going with those things? Yeah, I was going so so the first one absolutely because it's it's so you know signposts that things are going well. So right. moving the arms awesome and then you know just I think baby's fussiness would be another one. Oh, absolutely baby's fussiness and we always like to tell moms is When in doubt, try scooching your hips a little more forward. A lot of moms are, they just have that bottle feeding. You have to sit upright and hunch over. It's just stuck in their brain. So a lot of times just keep scooching forward until you find that position where you're really comfortable and you should be able to relax your arms, neck, and shoulders just like you were laying back watching TV. But there's just this picture in your mind, you know, and I don't know why moms would want to do it. You know, uh, you have a really sore bottom right after the baby's been born. So you should be looking for anything you can do to get your, you know, get off of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your hemorrhoids and your episiotomy, if you have one, or just the general soreness, if you didn't have one. A lot's been going on down there that isn't particularly comfortable and doesn't like to be sat on. So just scoot it out of the way and lay back with your baby. You know, it's really interesting, Adriana, that daddies kind of instinctively do this. So if you give the baby to daddy, they hold them like for two seconds and really don't know what to do. And they lay down and get into natural breastfeeding position very easily. And if you give someone a puppy, they lay down and put the puppy on top of them right in that position. It's because it's that bottle feeding position that's in our head that has become the breastfeeding position. And You know, most moms, just so many of today's moms, they have never seen any baby actually on a nipple because they're under hooter hiders or whatever, and especially a newborn. So that picture in their mind is really of a bottle or of an older baby. And they try and without thinking about it, it's very unconscious and automatic. Their body mimics that. Mm -hmm. I think that was the whole gorilla failure thing and people's like you know that's what happened to me that was my story of why I started to do this is you know I knew about the primates but the gorilla babies feed like older babies do because gorilla babies are born more mature so a mom can come in they've had the lactate you know have moms come in and demo to you know different great apes the gorilla was the first one like how to do it well the gorilla will do it very much like an older baby they cradle the baby in their arms because the baby gorillas and monkeys and chimps they can cling you know they have a lot of control over their limbs when they're born and they have a lot of head control so that they can swing up on mom's back and she walks around they don't fall off so that works very well for them but it doesn't work so well for us when our baby's less than six weeks old Mm -hmm. yep So it's about getting rid of that image and replacing it with this one, which is just way easier and it just works. And it'll like, you'll thank us both. You'll be breastfeeding and go like, ah, thank you, Adriana and Teresa or Adriana. (laughs) It's so easy that my favorite test of how this worked is I had, um, you know, like college guys that come and paint at your house, you know, so they were there and one of them went home and taught his cousin how to do it just by my description. Now, you know, you've really gotten it down simplified. If you can whisper down the lane, something that easy where they said, Oh, and we just fixed it doing that. He got it and he was able to convey it to her in a way that she got it and fixed the problem. He came back the next day. She's so happy. You know, it doesn't hurt anymore. And she was ready to give up. And you know, that just makes you feel like, wow, I'm, so lucky to be, you know, it just, it's a privilege to be, to, 
to be able to not just help an individual person, but to be able to come up with something that is very easy to communicate and teach to other people just by word of mouth. So I'm, you know, what Nancy and I have found is it works so well in those first few days in the hospitals. It works well with the nurses who really, they're very overwhelmed by all of these positions and things like that too. And the lactation consultants can focus on tweaking the problems and making sure mom is hooked into the system and, you know, everything's on target and, you know, uh, preparing, doing things, you know, during pregnancy. A lot of these moms are very digital. So they love looking at video and streaming images. This is the way that they communicate. So it's very, very friendly to the millennials, as I call them. You know, this is where it fits very well into the way that they're used to accessing um, information. And it's a good way of being able to circumvent a problem we really can't get around, which is these moms are not going to see real live living moms breastfeeding you know, like they don't go to La Leche League meetings a lot. They don't see it. You know, they just, they weren't grown up seeing it. It didn't happen in their household, but there is a workaround. This is where our big brain doesn't get in the way. It actually can help us because your brain fires those things even without your being aware of them. And if you can simplify it enough, then you just mimic it and you do the right thing. And that's what we're seeing in terms of the results for moms right after they've, uh, you know, right after they've given birth. Mm. And I love it. I've seen it work. I do. Thank you, Teresa, so much for doing what you do. If listeners want to get in contact or follow more or, you know, just send you a letter or whatever, how can they do that? They can go to the um, um, naturalbreastfeeding.com. That's where the quick start guide is. We, you know, what we've, we've put is we've made that available for free so that everybody can watch it. I don't want anybody to feel like they wouldn't have access to the basics and um, there's more information that's available. And we did like 75 short videos that are really revolve around breastfeeding newborns and helping moms prepare during pregnancy or make that transition. So uh, that's really the best way of going about it. But I, I really think, you know, tell new moms, tell pregnant moms, you know, I keep saying is like, just watch the video before, you know, like one time before you have the baby so that you have that mental picture in your mind and it'll save you a lot of anxiety and aggravation when someone comes in and tries to teach you too many things at once when you're tired and the baby's crying and doesn't seem to want to latch on. Just to have this under your belt can really help a lot. A little bit of familiarity. Indeed. So important. Teresa, thank you so, so much for doing this and being on the show today. It was my pleasure. I hope you'll have me back in the future. I think you're doing a great service to the universe. No, oh, thank you so much. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. And if you are pregnant, don't forget to grab my birth partner's ultimate labor support toolkit at birthful.com slash toolkit. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sabrisky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening.